Hey guys, and welcome back to the Bow Movement Podcast. Nope. <laughs> All right, guys, we have a little giggle fest because my friend Emily here learned about my Lord of the Rings crush. This is this is far more embarrassing for you than me not being able to burp. I okay, listen. <laughs> that is not girls were in love with <laughs> Orlando <laughs> Bloom. Yeah. <laughs> not Megan. <laughs> no no. Okay, before before we say anything about my love, let's just talk about Emily here, who was in love with Frodo, okay? The hairy footed <laughs> The hairy footed hobbit, okay? So I don't even want to hear any kind of what? Like no. his feet were bigger than his body, okay? Let's just let's just all acknowledge that right now. At least he was the right age for me at that time. No, he was like a child. <laughs> you loved a child. Well he, he, that is a man child. I liked a man. She liked man. a grandpa named Gandalf. <laughs> I I am attracted to the inner beauty and wise, mature men, <laughs> even if they are thousands of years old or whatever. Oh, I'm not even ashamed of it. You I had a crush on Gandalf. I don't care. <laughs> the guy I had a crush on could beat the guy you had a crush that's true you know anything (laughs) literally and my guy laid his life down for his friends what did your guys do nothing he was corrupted by a ring (laughs) but he was cute doing it you know i don't know a piece of jewelry emily my guy would have never fell for that Speaking of loving things that probably aren't the best for you, let's get into Hosea. <laughs> How'd you like that segue? Smooth. Smooth as right. beard. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to the Talk Bible to Me podcast. This week, we are going to be talking about Hosea chapter 7. I'm so excited to get started. I'm Megan Rawlings, and I am joined by my wonderful, beautiful, judgmental (laughs) co-host, Emily Richardson. (laughs) I was just joking about the judgmental part. Anywho, um, let's go ahead and get started right after this song. Okay. One time I said, okay, and people were like, you sound like Linda off of Bob's Burger. (laughs) I'll take it. She was cool. (laughs) Oh, gosh. All right, let's read it. Hosea 7, verse 1. Whenever I would hear Israel, the sins of Ephraim are exposed, and the crimes of Samaria revealed. They practice deceit. Thieves break into houses, bandits rob in the streets, but they do not realize that I remember all their evil deeds. Their sins engulf them. They are always before me. And I think I'm reading from the NIV. So Emily, go ahead and give us your um, notes on that and then I'll share mine. Yeah. So um, it's important that you go back and listen to chapter six, um, just because these two chapters are connected. They do flow into each other. So there's not really... 
a break, even though when we're reading it, it looks like there's a break because it says chapter seven, but there's not. Um, but these first two verses, they are showing us God's attempt to heal, to help heal Israel by sending prophets to warn them about their sin. But actually the, the prophets were um, exposing more of their sin by calling them out on things, which all that really did was add on to their guilt. And it was really, I think, God's way of showing them that I see, I see everything you're doing. There's nothing that's hidden from me and it's all going to be exposed because he's the God of truth. And yet these people are acting like they're not aware that God can see it all. Absolutely. I do want to note that um, just like Emily said, um, the end of six, beginning of seven, it's continual. So just like keep reading it, even though we broke it down, we did that for the sake of time. But all scholars agree that um, especially the second part of 611 belongs with the beginning of 7-1. And um, notice that it begins with three proper names. So it's talking to three um, specific areas, Israel, Ephraim, and Samaria. Um, then I wanted to note that the Canaanite uh, worldview had corrupted Israel at this time, and it has eliminated um, God and his justice and his holiness. And um, it just pushes sin. It pushes hatred. It pushes unrighteousness. Um, and, and all of this is in comparison to the goodness of God. So that's what I've got. It's good. Oh, and three sins um, destroy these three places. So you have Israel, Ephraim, and Samaria, and then the three sins. Um, they practice deceit, they break into houses, they're thieves, and they're bandits uh, robbing in the streets. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. That is. Uh, I have the ESV, so I don't know if you want to just go ahead and read all of our scriptures for this episode. No, girl, go for it. Do three and four. Okay. So verse three, verse four. By their evil, they make the king glad, and the princes by their treachery. They are all adulterers. They are like a heated oven whose baker ceases to stir the fire from the kneading of the dough until it is leavened. Ooh. <clears throat> so I have a... Get <laughs> it? Oven? Get cute. Got it. <laughs> she said, yeah, Megan, not cute. Anyway. <laughs> I have a, a commentary... Um, note on this and I was going to read it because trying to explain it myself it's just you know we always talk about how sometimes the commentaries do they just say it as as best as it can be said so this will be from the expositors bible commentary it says an important reason for this sad situation is that the king and his princes were pleased with it so they were pleased with the sin the sin of adultery is singled out for special mention again primarily spiritual adultery though physical adultery is also meant as part of the worship of Baal. The people in their zeal for this sin were like a heated oven, a striking illustration of lust. The oven was so hot that after being unattended during an entire night, with a fresh tending of the fire in the morning, it had sufficient heat for baking. So um, there's a second part that I'll read a little bit more of on the next couple of verses, but basically just saying that... um, the evil was so bad that the leaders were approving of it and they were uh, encouraging it. Yeah. Um, when it first starts out here, um, it says they, and I love, I, I don't know that I love it. I just wanted to point it, <laughs> point it out. Um, the verb, the subject, oh my gosh, they is not defined quite yet. Um, there's not a specific group or person 
um, at this point because Hosea is more interested in explaining what they're doing than who they are. Mm. And then later on we get into it. But you're right. Um, it is the friends and the royal court who are uh, partaking in all of this nonsense. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to read something too, because I thought this was really interesting. If you guys remember back when we first started Hosea and the introduction, we were talking about how kings were like killing one another to become mm-hmm. the next king. Um, and so I want to read this because I think it kind of contributes to that. Um, and this is from uh, G.V. Smith, um, the Hosea Amos Micah from Zondervan Publishing House. Um, I think... I want to say this was the NIV application commentary set, and I should have wrote that down, but I didn't. So forgive me for that. Um, At first, the people referred to here appear to be friends of the royal court, the king and his princes, because they delight the king by joining him in all kinds of evil deeds. Their deeds of deception may refer to conspiracies against an earlier king who was killed or to other unknown acts. This scheme to take political control through violence brings great joy to the victors in the royal court. Maybe the royal house is having a celebration marking the anniversary of the present king's rise to power. Hmm. So I just thought that was interesting because it contributes to what we had talked about in the introduction mm-hmm. about how um, these kings kept killing one another yep. for uh, power and control. Yeah, part of my <clears throat> part of my other note is on the next couple of verses, and I'll read that. It touches on that as well. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, let's read five through seven. Do you want to do it or you want me to? Go ahead. Then we can switch it up. Okay. On the day of the festival of our king, the princes become inflamed with wine, and he joins hands with the mockers. Their hearts are like an oven. They approach him with intrigue. Their passions smolder all night in the morning. It blazes like a flaming fire. All of them are hot as an oven. They devour their rulers. All the kings fall, and none of them calls on me. Okay, so my the second section, again, is from Expositor's, Expositor's Bible Commentary. <clears throat> it says, The oven-inflamed sin of the previous verses leads to the assassination of the king. Okay. It happened on a special day, a festival day. During the festivities, the ringleaders planning the crime became drunk and the king with them. In keeping with the figure of the oven, the hearts of the plotters were hot with desire to perform their treacherous deed. Each time they were near the king, their hearts flamed up. They waited during the night, however, with their passions smoldering like the baker's fire, anticipating the morning. Then the blaze of passion stirred anew and the terrible deed was done. Hosea mentions rulers because he was describing an incident repeated several times in Israel's history. Though so many kings fell in this way, still no one in the land called to God for help. Yes. Literally, I have something very similar to that. In a blaze of irrational passion, they viciously attack and kill their ruler. Mm -hmm. The human tragedy takes place again and again. Four kings are assassinated, but none of these violent powers ever inquires of God about what they are doing. These murders do not seek him to gain wisdom. They have the scoffing mockers to guide them. They do not wait for God to send a prophet to anoint the next king. They depend on cunning plots to deceit, to remove, and set up new kings. They're not concerned about doing what delights God because they are only concerned about what delights themselves. They do not even ask God for help because they slightly make alliances with other groups or another to protect their interests. God's role of choosing each new king for the nation is usurped by vicious plots to grab power through violence. Mm. 
And that's from the uh, NIV expository, no, NIV application commentary, I believe as well. Okay. Yeah. So they were getting themselves in trouble. Well, that's what happens when you make rash decisions without God. Yep. Talking to myself on that one. But... <laughs> yeah. I mean, it does. It happens in everyday life when we don't put him first. Our passions typically take over every time. But in all fairness, I'm not trying to kill kings. So. That's true. <laughs> if only it was that easy. Say, I do the same thing they're doing, but I'm not killing anyone. So my hands are clean. <laughs> All right. I have eight through 12. Did you want to say anything else about that? Nope. That's it. All right. Do it, girl. All right. Um, let's see. Eight through 12, you said? Mm-hmm. Ephraim mixes himself with the peoples. Ephraim is a cake not turned. Strangers devour his strength and he knows it not. Gray hairs are sprinkled upon him like Gandalf. That's not really in there. <laughs> I was like, it doesn't say that. <laughs> he knows it not. <laughs> Oh my God. The pride of Israel testifies to his face, yet they do not return to the Lord their God, nor seek him for all this. Ephraim is like a dove, silly and without sense, calling to Egypt, going to Assyria. As they go, I will spread them over my I will spread over them my net. I will bring them down like birds of the heavens. I will discipline them according to the report made to their congregation. I like it. Mine um in the NIV it says, I will pull them down like the birds in the sky. When I hear them flocking together. I will catch them. <laughs> I just like that. <laughs> I will catch them. <laughs> Did you know that a dove is a pigeon? It's a type of pigeon. I, I've wondered that actually, but no, I did not yeah. know that. Well, I say that, but really I learned that from clickbait, so it might not be true. <laughs> you and your clickbait. I, it's my weakness. She has it's a, a problem weak with clickbait. She can't. Can't resist it. And I get in trouble all the time because my husband's like, I get all these ads and it's because of your stupid clickbait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, goodness. Yeah. So basically, they're depending on their political decisions to guide them instead mm-hmm. of God. Yep. Um, yeah. Yep. So there's that. Yeah. Uh, versus, uh, let's see, eight, or in verse 8, it talks about Ephraim being a cake not turned. And for any people who love baking like I do, um, a cake not turned over is a cake that's overdone on one side and not baked on the other side. Because back then they didn't have wonderful ovens like we do that bake it all the way around. They had to flip the <laughs> cakes. <laughs> and so basically what he's saying is they were worthless. Like their works and their deeds and everything they were doing was worthless because they were like a half-baked cake. You can't eat it. Can't do anything with it, but throw it out. In verse 8, I'm just going to read from my commentary as well. I say as well. I'm going to read from my commentary. When Hosea became king, he dissolved the nation's political alliances with Syria, Philistia, and Egypt and created a new political alliance with the Assyrian king, Tilgath-Pileser III. Mm -hmm. And they turned around and made a secret alliance with Egypt. Mm. And that contributed to the mixing imagery as well with your bread. Okay. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, fascinating that they would make a, an alliance with all those sketch places. Yep. And these alliances, they need, um, is retribution the right word? They need payment. Um, like, it's not like, 
hey, we're friends. Let's be on each other's teams. Like, yeah. there's scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. But yeah. they were doing some heavy scratching here. Yeah. Um, like cultural and religious compromises, kind of heavy mm-hmm. scratching. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yep. And I, yep. I love that part, um, verse 10 at the end where it says for all this. So like talking about all these things that they're doing, yet they do not return to the Lord, their God, nor seek him for all this. And I just thought like, how many times have I thought in my life watching the way this world is going as it has been going for a long time, but like after all this, people still aren't turning to God after all this, they're still making these decisions. And I just, that's the tone that I hear that verse, like for all this, they're still being dumb. And even then when he calls them a dove, like doves are known for being, I mean, I guess that makes more sense even knowing they're pigeons. Pigeons are stupid. (laughs) (laughs) They're just not smart birds. And they, I think that's a, you know, a way to explain that they're they stupidly went into relations with countries that destroyed them and they were naive and not thinking. Yeah. So um and this is um as G V Smith would say, it's a creeping compromise. And when it talked about the gray hair that Emily made fun of Gandalf for, um the idea here is that like your hair slowly starts to gray, I guess mm-hmm. starts to salt and pepper here and there. Mm-hmm. It was that kind of a creeping compromise that happened. It was gradual. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the slow fade that's compromising their identity in Christ or in God, I guess at this mm-hmm. point, but I don't separate. the Trinity, that, so. I mean, that's all sin. You know what I mean? I feel like for the most part, nobody chooses to, you know, go from, not murdering to murdering somebody. Usually there is a series of things that leads to a decision like that or having an affair or leaving your family, whatever. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to go do this. It's usually just this little bit at a time that adds up to making this horrible decision. I mean, David, if you read about David and all the decisions that he made, it was little things at a time over over time. That's, That's how Satan likes to work with us. Exactly. A little twist here and there to get us to Walk away. I just keep thinking of that song by Casting Crowns. <laughs> Slow fade. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> That's like I'm singing it in my head right now. I can't stand that song, I'll be honest. <laughs> okay, I'm going to edit that out because that was hate speech. <laughs> I loved it at one point. Just not anymore. <laughs> you can edit that out. Nope, it's going in. Where's 13 through what? I have 13 through 14. Okay. Go for it. It's a slow fade. I'm going to start singing this song to you because it's a slow fade to hate Christian music. Is it? Is it? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 13 and 14. Woe to them because they have strayed from me. Destruction to them because they have rebelled against me. I long to redeem them, but they speak about me falsely. They do not cry out to me from their hearts, but wail on their beds. They slash themselves, appealing to their gods for grain and new wine, but they turn away from me. That's such vivid imagery. Ah, uh, yeah. I'm going to read straight up. This is D.A. Garrett. Um, and I'm going to read this because it's good. And... I wasn't going to, but now I'm going to. 
like I'll have like commentaries like out there and then I'll like try to take notes or like add my notes. Yeah. But I'm just reading this. Sometimes it's just too good. That's right. <laughs> and because I have no idea how else I would say this. <laughs> The fact that they, quote unquote, howl upon their beds is subject to various interpretations. Um, an example is that they are in such need that they wail at night rather than sleep. It is more likely, however, that this line refers to ritual wailing for the deceased Baal as part of fertility rites. Details of the rituals of the cults are lost to us, but they certainly included both prostitution at the shrines and ceremonial lamentations. You can see Ezekiel 8.14 for that. The cultic setting for this verse is implied by the yearning for the product promised by the fertility cult, grain and wine, and by the self-laceration the text describes. And you can see that in 1 Kings 18.28. I want to make sure that we continue to have that um, underlining understanding that these folks have a very cult, a cult, mm-hmm. um, that they subscribe to. Yeah. This is not like a good group of people that Israel is mixing themselves up with. Yeah. These are, you know, yeah. bad news, yeah. you know, bad mama jamas. So we <laughs> bad mama jamas. jamas. <laughs> yeah. I think it can be easy to miss that in our culture because we don't, we don't really have, I means there are places that have things like this, but I mean, for the most part, we don't have that kind of spiritually deep, weird stuff going on. Um, it's a lot more subtle. Yes. Yes. So we don't, I think even just having a conversation about, you know, why things happened in the Old Testament and why God would wipe out entire groups of people, you know, yeah. we don't realize the extent, the extent of how evil things had become. So, but I love that part. I, mine doesn't say, um, I long to redeem them. I love that the NIV, you have NIV, right? I love that it says I long to redeem them because I have mine just said I have ESV. I don't know if I clarified that, but it just says I would redeem them, but they speak lies against me. But I just love that it's that I long to redeem them because um, I do think that that is a, a good picture of of the way that God is with the situation. I mean, he gives so much grace and so many warnings because he does. He desperately wants to be with his people and to redeem and to reconcile and Every time it's always his people that are rebelling against him, including ourselves. You know, that's why we need Jesus. So that's even like a picture. You can look forward to Christ with that and just see how he's had a plan all along to redeem us. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Let's, let's finish it up in. Okay. Verses 15 through 16. It says, although I trained and strengthened their arms, yet they devise evil against me. They return, but not upward. They're like a treacherous bow. Their princes shall fall by the sword because of the insolence of their tongue. This shall be their derision in the land of Egypt. So I love that first verse. Although I trained and strengthened their arms, they devise evil against me. Like, it's really a picture of, I mean, it's it's kind of a military picture, but I think I can even picture that as a father. Like, a father is the one who trains and raises his sons and daughters and when they grow up and rebel against that, it's the saddest thing. It's so sad when you see that happen and how much even more so when it's God is the one that trained and provided for them and strengthened them and gave them everything that they had. And yet they gave the credit to other false gods and, and turned from him. And then they return, but not upward. They're like a treacherous bow. I had a note that said, um, so like my, my husband's a hunter. And so he, I, 
feel like I know a lot about archery just through him, probably more than I want to know, but he's pretty good at it. But basically what he's saying here is it's like taking an arrow and just randomly shooting it somewhere. Like there's no target. They're just, um, they return, but not upward. They're like a treacherous bow. So basically just pointing and aiming at nothing and just shooting at something and hoping it'll hit, but it doesn't, it comes back and hits the wrong thing because there's no focus. They looked to idols instead of looking to God. So, it's useless. Yes. There's no, like, yeah. there's no point in having it if you're not going to be able to use it. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Um, well, and I am, you know, we fence, my husband and I. So um, we obviously know more about the swords. No, I was just trying to keep up with you. <laughs> I was about to be so impressed. On guard. <laughs> um, golf. I did. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't call it. Well, yes, you I golf. do. I do. I I do golf. Not well, but I do it. Um. But the sword here, it's kind of it's it's about the same kind of um, idea because it's talking about like you're going to face defeat and death Mm -hmm. because you're going to fall by your sword because you're just so bad. Yeah. (laughs) You're just (laughs) bad people. Bad to the bone. Yes. So anywho, (laughs) there you go. There it is. That's chapter seven. That's it. And that's all. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. We appreciate you listening to our Fun talks about bows, swords, Gandalf, all the above. (laughs) Hopefully, hopefully they enjoy it as much as we do. Yeah. We hope that you guys tune in next week to hear chapter eight. And um, if you guys would do us a kind favor, go check out theboldmovement.com as this podcast is a ministry from the bold movement, which is a women's ministry dedicated to helping women go deeper in scripture. Until next time, Emily, (laughs) say goodbye to the good folks. Go out and be bold.